to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today, my guest is Blake Chandley, VP of Global Business Solutions and head of ad sales for TikTok. TikTok has been at the center of the storm around social media. The platform has enjoyed meteoric growth over the past year. Its Chinese parent company, ByteDance, has also been drawn into the geopolitical tensions between the U.S. and China. But the drama hasn't dampened the interest of marketers in using the platform and its many tools that are designed, in Chandley's words, to inspire creativity and spark joy. In the conversation up next, the former Facebook executive offers insights into TikTok's rise and how the user base and audience has changed during the pandemic. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from Ryobi. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the Ryobi leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with Ryobi's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. 
How doers get more done. Welcome back to Strictly Business. I'm really excited to hear from Blake, who is TikTok's VP of Global Business Solutions and head of ad sales for one of the most dynamic media platforms that has come along in the in the last few years, a time when we have seen no shortage of new platforms arriving. But TikTok has made quite an impact in a short time, and we're fortunate to have Blake to talk to us about the, the service and its evolution. Thank you so much for joining us, Blake. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Cynthia. <laughs> well, you are coming on just about your one-year anniversary with TikTok, a company that has been much in the news and has made a big impact on pop culture. Can you tell us about, you know, what, there were so many, there were so many extraordinary circumstances of 2020 and circumstances and conditions that that certainly made a lot of, you know, made for ripe conditions for people looking for new kinds of short form content and new avenues for creativity, which is one of the things that, that TikTok really has inspired. Can you talk us through sort of what were some of the accelerants that made 2020 such a huge growth year for TikTok? Yeah, of course. Well, one, almost two years now, funny enough, and time, time flies. I've been with the company. Um, and 2020 was an interesting year by any measure, as you can imagine. Um, you know, from our perspective, uh, what started out as what we thought would be a, an amazing growth year quickly shifted as COVID came in and people started working from home. And then we had Black Lives Matter and there were a number of things that happened through the year. But if, if you look at overall, I think one of the things that really surprised us. And um, looking back, it probably shouldn't have come as a surprise given the platform is you know, a content platform, it's an entertainment platform, is the, the universal appreciation, universal kind of um, adoption of the platform across all generations. And our, our mission is to, to inspire creativity and bring joy. And I think we did that uh, throughout the year in a, in a year where a lot of people really appreciated and needed some of that on a daily basis. Uh, but what really struck me was yeah, there was a shift um, as, we, as we saw the year go on in two areas. One was around content, right? So diversity in content um, and, and the kinds of creators that were creating content, the platform, you know, went from, you know, a pretty simple offering to diversity around cooking and DIY and education. And, and we had these amazing creators just telling inspiring stories all year long. And that, that just continued, which then led to the adoption of the platform from a variety of audiences. And so diversity, diversification of our audience base um, went from a relatively younger audience, i.e. Gen Z, to a, an audience that spanned multi-generations. Um, and I think it's all based around storytelling. And I, I, I was thinking the other day, as we all kind of have our own thoughts going into a new year, that I remember days when we used to sit around television as a family and watch TV, right? And, and that was you know, right. going back a ways and it was linear TV and that's just what we did, right? Um, on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or whatever, we'd have our favorite TV show and we'd all sit around as family. And we just don't do that anymore. Screens have you know, really fragmented that experience. And so, you know, my kids have their screens and we have all, my wife and I have our screens and most of the time they don't connect, right? Uh, what we saw a lot of this year and then looking back, it, it is a phenomenon, yeah. was this connection of generations. Right, and so people were creating t- TikToks, and younger generations were introducing their parents and grandparents to the platform. And so there was this this unity again around the family, around this content that just didn't exist before. And so I kind of feel like there's this 
interesting movement that's taking place around you know connecting that family again, which you know we 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 feel really strongly is is part of our mission to really you know to really inspire creativity and bring joy across all different people. It's a different form of of family friendly entertainment on TikTok for sure. Much of it. What was it that, and I'm sure that diversification of audience must have been music to your ears, being, you know, in in charge of, of selling advertising on the platform. What was it, though, that in, in your experience, what was it that drove the initial adoption? What was the... What, I think that- I think that brought people, people to the platform. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I, I think that a lot of people, you know, associate associate us with being a social platform, right? And there's this automatic, you know, direct association with some other players in the space, of which we're all intimately familiar. I mean, I think the big difference is we're not like we're 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 interest based, we're a content platform, um, and so the ability for people to find content that's relevant and interesting to them is really what you know, really really what the for you feed does. And that's very, very different than the experience people are going to find anywhere else where it's reliant on a connection to friends and family and so on and so forth. And you know, this is really, in my view, the next generation of, of television, right? And it's, it's, it's short form. It's easy to digest. It doesn't require a huge commitment in terms of time, although people do find themselves, you know, once they start kind of getting sucked into the TikTok, like, uh, you know, vortex and spending a lot of time. Um, but it's, it's easily digestible, it's interesting, and it's all designed specifically for you based on your interests. Um, and that's how the For You feed really um, has generated a lot of positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, TikTok has been in the headlines, you know, again, coming off of a pretty incredible year for, for, the, for culture, for politics, for certainly for public health. Um, you know, TikTok and the parent company ByteDance have been in the headlines. There has been there's been a lot of strife at the at the political level in the U.S. about about the Chinese ownership of ByteDance and how how that you know may or may not be figuring into larger kind of geopolitical and business considerations. I realize that all of that is going on you know at a, a step above the area that you oversee, but can you? talk about how that the impact of the political drama and the uncertainty about whether the company had to be sold to continue to operate in the US or how did how did that impact your growth obviously TikTok is growing apace but was that was that diffi- did that impede growth at all and was that a difficult conversation for you with the marketers that you are selling the service to yeah it's an appropriate question and, and it's something that's you know, it, it's not something I'll spend a lot of time go too deep in because we're you know, still currently in, in discussions, uh, you know, with the government and the regulatory body about, you know, about some of that. But listen, we, we've been pretty clear that one, there's been a lot of media coverage on it, right? And uh, you couldn't escape it. It's 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 dropped off a little bit given some of the current um, you know, media considerations. But uh, one, we've been pretty clear that we we just disagree with some of the fundamental premises that the government put forward. Um, in terms of security of data, um, access of data, you know, we're, TikTok does not exist in China. Um, our data doesn't sit in China, it sits, US data sits in the US, uh, with some redundancy in Singapore. So like, you know, we're very comfortable with, with, the, with the precautions and the things that we've done as a company. Um, so, but we've agreed, we disagree with the government on that one in many cases, but we continue to work with them. Like we have, a, we have ongoing, almost daily dialogue with the government around how do we resolve this? Because at the end of the day, we want to protect our users and we want to, you know, that's a, a huge commitment we have is protecting our user base. And it's our number one priority as a company. 
And so anything we do to empower our, our audience, our 100 million plus users in the US, um, protect them, empower them, it's, it's really, we feel an obligation to protect them in that sense. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that comes with it, you know, a lot of different discussions we need to have and, and to get people comfortable with that. But we're more in ongoing negotiations, discussions with the objective of having an outcome that's positive for our users. Do you have a sense that the, the administration change, the incoming Biden administration might have a different view? I, I can't really speak to that right now. I know there's a lot of discussions taking place, as you can imagine. There's a lot of um, you know, dialogue across the aisle everywhere. Uh, but right now, I think I'll, I'll just let that be, and, and we'll see where things fall over the next few weeks. Was it at all, has it, again, the sort of Washington drama, has it, has it been a damper at all for marketers? I mean, it seems like the TikTok story for, for the this TikTok itself has been nothing but growth. And I'm guessing that that's, that that is what, what people want to hear at a time when it's, you know, it's reaching audiences is harder than ever. Yeah. We've been really, really surprised, surprised with the support. I mean, the, the, the community, the advertising community in general, whether it be advertisers, agencies have really supported us through this whole process. And we've had obviously discussions and, and dialogue around it. Um, and, but, but the universal support we've received has been um, really, really positive. We spend a lot more of our time talking around brand safety and community safety and what we're doing, you know, not only as an individual company, but as an industry to protect users uh, than we have around some of the, the political dynamics that are taking place. And, and so the vast majority of our time is spent talking around those, those subject matters. Mm -hmm. You do a lot of, obviously, a lot of creative things with marketers and sponsorship. How can you talk in general about kind of how your, your typical, how a typical marketing deal with TikTok TikTok works? Is it is it CPM based? Is it time based? How do you how do you dice it? If you start the highest level, it's it's a fundamental change, right? And we're being a little bit, I think we'll be a little bit disruptive in that sense. Um, you know, digital marketing's gotten very much around programmatic and it's you know, it's very tech driven. Um, it's we've lost the art of storytelling. And I think that's something that we identified very early on that brands want more of. And given the, you know, this inspirational environment and the storytelling that takes place every day with our users and our community in general, uh, what brands want to do is, is find a voice in that, right? And so the conversations we have with brands, first and foremost, is around what does their voice look like in environments around authenticity, right? How do they storytell? How, do they, how are they, quote, less than perfect? Um, because at the end of the day, you know, the concept of going and creating a million-dollar, you know, mini film and then put it onto all these different platforms, it doesn't resonate as well on the platform. People want to see authenticity. Um, you know, they want, they want brands to come in and be involved. They want brands to invite them to be involved. And so the conversation first and foremost is around creativity and the role that brands play in the platform. And the roles the brands play a really, really important role. Um, we do not want brands to be perceived as kind of advertising, meaning I have to watch it in order to have access to this free content. We want users to look at the branding content and say, wow, that was cool. I want to watch it again. Right. And so we see that kind of pat we see that kind of passion. When brands do it right, and there are a number of brands that have, um, all year long we saw amazing executions from brands that really inspired people and drew them in and, and, and asked people to participate. And so that's first and foremost the conversations we have with brands. And then the next question is how do we amplify that and how do we, you know, kind of invest behind that to make sure we get the right reach and frequency and, and the right KPIs on measurement that, that, that they need in order to continue to invest with us. But, uh, would you, yeah. 
Would you say that um, marketers come to you, do they, are, are they generally looking kind of in the age and demographic uh, based buying or are they looking for, we want to be in your anything that involves cooking or anything that involves skateboarding or something like by topic and more, or is it a mix of both? It's a mix of both. Like you have people that, you know, certainly there are certain audiences the brands are targeting based on you know their brand, right? Um, and so there's, super, there, there's typically some demographic uh, considerations as well as contextual. Um, and so we work with brands on both those fronts. We'll take a quick break before hearing more from Blake Chanley about TikTok ad campaigns that moved the needle this year. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the RYOBI leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with RYOBI's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, they're Products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Welcome back to Strictly Business. Here's more with TikTok ad sales chief, Blake Chandley. Can you give us a, for instance, of a uh, of an execution or two that you think really harnessed the capabilities that TikTok brings, the unique capabilities of TikTok? Um. Yeah, I think that I think there I think I think there were two that I, that come up, and I look at I look at it almost in two seconds. They're the big brands, the ones we all know, these national brands that are amazing marketers, and then we have our smaller SMB community, which is actually doing some really inspirational stuff as well. Um, the, um, the, there was one, there was one campaign by Under Armour that was done this over the kind of the holiday period, uh, which was, you know, show up and show off, which we had, they retained a number of our creators. And that was another, that's another core premise. We work with brands large connecting with the creators or some people call them influencers, but um, you know, to, to help them tell their story and bring their story to life on the platform. And so they retain a number of their athletes uh, to come in and do some interesting things with some music in the background that were, they were, they were great, right? Whether it be basketball related or whatever it might be. And then they basically put that out there in our community and said, you know, show up and show off. 
And it was around skills, around different things. And then they allowed the community to take that and to make it their own, right? And so it could have been in the basketball space. It could have been someone either on a basketball court doing something amazing with a trick shot or a dunk or whatever it might be. Or there were there was some creative with someone in a, in a supermarket grabbing you know paper towels off the top shelf, giving all their <laughs> shelves were empty. And that was their version of showing off, right? And so, yeah, we generated, I think there were 1.4 billion pieces of created or 1.4 million pieces of creative that were uh, that were developed by our user base in conjunction with the campaign and had 8 billion views. I mean, that was one that was great. But another one, which I thought was really amazing, it goes to storytelling, was Cheerios. Um, and I don't know if you're, you, you saw this, but you know, Cheerios had an amazing commercial back in the 90s, uh, which was a grandmother with a baby with Cheerios on the on the on the top, and then you know normally you'd be feeding Cheerios to the baby, and this mm-hmm. time the grandmother was Christmas time, saying, "Here's where you live," and the baby wants the Cheerios and she holds it up, and the baby's like, "I'm going to eat it," and then they, she puts it down. She goes, "Here's where your Uncle John lives. Here's where I live." And unfortunately, <laughs> we all can't be together, but I'm glad that I'm here with you. And he, she puts two Cheerios together. And it was just a very emotional, you know, and you know General Mills and Cheerios. You know, no family and Christmas and holidays. Nothing. Sure. And so that was that was done years and years ago as a television campaign. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a creator on the platform that basically came up with an idea that said, you know, General Mills, please, please, please recreate this today, but use Zoom and use like and so and literally the brand she tagged General Mills in, and literally the brand brought it back to life, and they did an incarnation of 2020, right, which had the same grandmother. And the same child, you know, baby, which was now grown up, and they're connecting on Zoom, and they had the whole behind-the-scenes thing, but it was very much still this emotional connection for the brand to the holiday season. And so, like the, again, that storytelling can't take place anywhere else. It has to take place in a place like this. And, uh, and it's just one of those kind of tearjerker moments that you go, okay, that was just an amazing piece of content. Forget the fact that it was brought to us by a by brand. So th- th- those are two good ones. And then on small business, there was a... There's an amazing campaign that was done uh, through the through the holiday and the shopping season by a, a small business called Two Blind Brothers, and it got some national coverage. But there are these two blind brothers, um, uh, Bradford and Bryant, who had this concept, you know, called Shop Blind. And what they essentially did was a challenge. It said to people in their whole lives, they've had to rely on others to shop for them or read menus or whatever it might be. And they started campaigns to Shop Blind, meaning come come to our website. Um, basically give us a price point and we're going to send you something. You don't know what it is. Right. Um, and, 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 and all pro hundred percent proceeds were going towards, you know, retinal, uh, retinal research to help cure certain forms of blindness that a lot of people are affected by. And the idea of going to saying, you know, basically saying, here's my price point and then stepping back was kind of scary, but like tens and tens and tens of thousands of people went and shopped blind. Right. And it just it became kind of a universal viral, had a viral component to it, which was a good for you moment, which, of course, you know, giving to you know, any kind of non for profit is, but also a brand and a product and shopping and e-commerce and it all tied it together in a really kind of magical way. So those are the kind of things that we love seeing on the platform. Mm-hmm. And it was, for, you know, the more you grow, the more opportunities you, the more opportunities you have. And as you say, these are these are fairly unique opportunities, particularly for marketers. The downside, of course, of user-generated content and having an open platform like that is that, you know, content moderation has become a huge issue for all social media platforms, large and small. 
with your mission to spark creativity and, and create bursts of joy, which goodness knows we need more than ever now, how are you going, how are you watching the skies to make sure that bad actors don't get into your platform and put things on that, you know, are, are decidedly less than joyful? Yeah, it's the number one thing we think about, as you can imagine, especially in, in, in days like we've led up to this conversation. Um, it's an industry thing. As an industry, it's 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 an opportunity for us to do better. Um, and we can call it issues, whichever it's a challenge. Um, and, and like most, we use a combination of you know community guidelines, which are very strict around hate and speech and misinformation and everything else, um, as well as technology. So machine learning to identify that as content gets loaded into the platform, using machine learning to quickly identify and, and train the machines to look for content that falls into a certain pattern or behavior that's um, you know, synonymous with some of these behaviors we don't want and pulling that content before it ever reaches, before it ever reaches the graph. And you know, according to our last transparency report, we pulled down 100 million pieces of content of which you know, 96% were before it ever even hit the graph and the rest was somewhat reactionary. And then we use human moderation, uh, which is as people reporting content that's inappropriate or they, they think should be considered you know, we use the combination of machine learning and, and human moderators to make sure that we're you know, identifying that that behavior, that content, and, and pulling it down very, very quickly. And then obviously, you know, on the back end, making sure that those folks that are doing that, uh, you know, are pulled from the platform and so on. Has, um, has uh, I, I mean, with 100 million pieces of content, that's a lot to, that's a lot to keep up with. Machine learning can do so much. Have have you found that there, that given the nature of TikTok, the nature of stuff that is objectionable, does it, does it, is it, is it political? Is it more violent? Are you, is there like an, is there like a, a thread to what you're finding that is objectionable on TikTok? Is yeah. attract a certain kind of, of objectionable type of content versus maybe you would see on a broader uh, social platform? Yeah, I think some of the other platforms have different issues. Like I think the the, the social, you know, the social platforms where people are connected via social kind of like their social behaviors, they, they have a very different challenge than we do. You know, when people are coming to the platform to create, you know, inspire creativity and bring joy, um, the expectation when people come into it is just that. So they're not looking for that kind of content. Whereas in some of the other platforms, I think it's expected at this point. And so that's where the voices are loudest. Um, and so, you know, we, to be fair, we have some activism, like when Black Lives Matter came up, there were people that were, you know, discussing that subject, but they were doing it in a really inspirational way. It wasn't in a, in a derogatory or cruel way. It was done more of an inspirational way. And so, you know, we want people to, to express, you know, express themselves. Uh, but when it turns to hate or turns to misinformation or whatever it might be, we need to make sure that our, our community is protected. So we work really diligently on that. Have you had some tough calls when you sort of when the human beings get involved? Have you had tough calls about like what is the line between what's okay and not okay? So the trust and safety team falls under different remits. So I'd be remiss if I were to try and step in and, and, and go too deep on the subject. I think that everybody today's world's changing so fast, and you know people that are trying to express themselves in a negative way will continue to try and find ways to do that, and you need to be able to react accordingly. And so, you know, certainly there are probably moments where there are tough decisions to make. Um, 
I'm not liberty to talk about those here, but you know, certainly we'll continue to evolve our platform and iterate our platform and our policies to protect our community best we can. Yeah, thank you. And that I can imagine that there's no more urgent and tougher job in the company than than keeping an eye on all of that, especially because you have the reputation for being for being um, for being very you know open and and friendly to to all demographics. Um, I know Blake, you spent a long time at Facebook before joining TikTok. What? What did you learn in your time in the formative years of Facebook and watching its evolution that what did you learn from Facebook that you are applying it at TikTok now? And, and are you seeing an, any major differences in the in the growth trajectories of the platforms? Yeah, I think the growth trajectories are very similar. Um, and, and Facebook at the time, you know, going back, I was there for a decade from 2007 to 17. If you kind of rewind back to 2009, 10, before Facebook became, you know, the behemoth that it is today, you know, social was new, right? The social graph didn't exist. It was this new concept um, that people were trying to embrace and understand and both users, right, on, on the growth side from the user perspective, what role did it play in people's lives, um, as well as brands and, and, and certainly regulatory bodies and everybody else. We were all trying to make it up as we went. And so we were constantly iterating and we were creating product and we were moving quickly in response to different things that we saw in the market. And it's very, very similar to where we are today. And we're, we're not a social graph, we're you know, a content graph, an interest graph, uh, which is new. It's very, it's very, very different. Um, and it's had its own different opportunities and challenges and everything else. And so for us, it's really around a couple of core things. One is you know, hiring amazing people. Like people ultimately help define what the future of the business will look like. And so we have great people on the product side, the ad side, marketing side, just have amazing individuals who have open minds or, or what we call learners. And we want to create a very learning culture. Um, we want to be able to move very quickly and change is hard. Like if you look at some of the big companies now, it's much more difficult for a Facebook or Google to shift, you know, bought businesses that are as big as they are, whereas we're still, nimble enough that we can move very, very quickly uh, if we see something that's working. And so we do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of testing iteration. Um, and so some of the core values I think we saw back in the day are, are similar in terms of moving fast and, 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 and trying to build product that's, that's relevant for our users and our brands. And, uh, and then there are differences. Like I think that we've learned a lot from, you know, around data and consumer privacy and, um, you know, giving users control of, uh, of, of the kind of advertising they see, which you know, historically wasn't necessarily built into the business models that we think you know, could, be, could be really differenti differentiated going forward. So we're learning some things and we're gonna do things a little bit differently and we're gonna hopefully be a little bit disruptive in a, in a very comfortable way. But I think uh, the industry's asked us to be, and they said, don't just come back and come with a big audience with a programmatic capability. They really want us to come back and allow them to storytell again and, to engage audiences in a different way that they simply haven't been able to do on the mobile device. Mm -hmm. Blake, why don't you leave us with, uh, why don't we end with what are your like, what are some of your most impressive growth stats from 2020 or, or growth stats for TikTok since it really started to take off in the US? Well, I mean, I, you know, certainly our user base, you know, we're now exceeding 100 million users, uh, which was up significantly from 2019. And we've seen that across the world. Like it's, number, it's not, it's not, really just the US, we're seeing it. Um, the kind of content has just diversified in an amazing way and the types of you know, audiences that are on the platform have changed significantly. 
Um, I won't get into the metrics around revenue and brands, but you know, certainly the, um, the industry has supported us. And for that, we're eternally grateful and humbled. Uh, we think that by working with the smartest people in, in the agency world and the client world that we can build kind of a future that is, is different where you know, advertising becomes you know, anticipated and hoped for versus something people deal with in order to get contact. And so you know, those are things that we're, we're really focused on right now. Blake, thank you so much for taking the time to talk us through what's going on at this most dynamic media platform. We will definitely stay tuned. Thanks for listening. And please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners. Be sure to tune in next week when my guests will be Andrew Kosov and Broderick Johnson, the producers and financiers who run Alcon Entertainment. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.